everyone. My name is Sharzad. Thank you so much for joining me for my conversation series where I talk to parents, teens, and educators about the harmful and potentially harmful effects of social media on teens. Today, I am talking to a high school algebra teacher who has lots of interesting things to say about how teens are interacting with technology. Thanks for watching. Hi, Lee. My name is Sharzad. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. I know you have a young daughter, right? Who just turned one. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. And a five-year-old son. Oh, so you guys, so you're, you're busy. I know that life. Yeah. I've got two also. They're older now. It gets a little easier. Have you had a lot of kids like that, you know, that have been in your class that have been really, that have been cyberbullied or had a tough time with a breakup in high school. That's like, you know, gone onto social media that like sort of everybody knows about. I mean, I hear these stories about teenage girls and guys, but mostly girls having naked photos of them being passed around high school. I hear about bullying. I mean, I've been online for like 11 years. I've certainly had horrible things said about me, but I've always, you know, been an adult the whole time I've been online. And I know how to work through, you know, being sad if somebody says something mean to me, but if I was a teenager, it'd be a totally different experience. And I think about that all the time. Um, So what have you seen like that kids are dealing with? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, inappropriate photos um that's that's gotten anecdotally i guess that that seems to have gotten better um so this is my ninth year teaching when i first started teaching that was that was something that was bad it was there were kids that were like collecting them and then um like they would have uh instagram or snapchat account and they would post all the girls that they had like collected and which is just, yeah. Yeah. I think once they started cracking down on that, that's what really started a lot of the cyberbullying laws and the child pornography law protection. I think once that happened, that scared a lot of kids and a lot of schools and yeah. And administrators and teachers, we really push um, awareness to, if you do this, understand like this is this distribution of child pornography and that'll follow you forever. Right. Uh, things like that. Uh, so that, that still happens. Don't get me wrong. That still happens, but it, it's something that has improved. Uh, cyber bullying definitely still happens. Um, it's, it's tough because what, what, what happens a lot is you can create an anonymous Instagram account, for example, and, um, I mean, this is, this is what happened is slightly side note, similar. Uh, there were, there were fight accounts for our, the school I was at and it's not just my school. There were several schools where you type in that school's name fights or brawls and you'll see on Instagram, all the fights that happens because they'll, they'll record the fights, um, and they'll post them on there. <clears throat> but then there's also accounts like, um, there's one called, my old school name slump. And that's for if people fall asleep on fall asleep in class or on the bus or at the lunch table, people take a picture and then that slump account that everybody follows will post it. And I know kids are terrified of getting posted on there where it's, you know, it's not something that's like, uh, really heinous bullying, but it's at that age, they're so sensitive that they they definitely don't want to be called out that way in a negative light and exposed to hundreds or possibly thousands of people that follow that account. So stuff like that happens. And 
you don't know who the account creator is and the people, people will just DM pictures that they took in class and then account creator will just repost it. And so that's how the images get shared. So whoever took the pictures anonymous and you don't know who took the picture and you don't know who runs that account. So creepy. Just the feeling of being watched like all the time. I mean, I, you know, again, I always think about myself as a teenager and how much, you know, freedom I had to just get in trouble and like make dumb mistakes. And nobody was, you know, yeah. I wasn't under a microscope. How has it changed? You said you've been a teacher for nine years and I know COVID was brutal, but from the nine years to now, has it, I, I know you said this sort of, um, child pornography stuff has gotten a little bit better, cyberbullying the same, but do you think addiction to social media, to the apps has just gone crazy? Definitely. I, I definitely think so. It's, it's something that it was, it was a negative trend before COVID and the best example I can give is like, we're on a negative trend line every year. It's a little worse, but it's, it's not enough to where you're like, Whoa, this is, it's gotten crazy. It's, it's just, it's kind of bad. And something that adults complain about and kids roll their eyes about with, with COVID and with digital learning, those kids that stayed home, most of them, not all of them, but most of them were on Netflix, on their phone, on PlayStation. And it really exacerbated their addiction to when they tried to come back into the classroom. Now it's like, it's, it's something that they, they can't be without. They, they, they cannot be without their phone. If you, if you had them put it away for a test, it, it makes them visibly uncomfortable where it's, it's, it's a really, really bad addiction. Um, I, I haven't been, I, I was, I was addicted to sugar. Um, I went no sugar for like a, a year one time and I didn't realize how addicted to sugar I was in the first two or three weeks. Like I was, I was mad. I was grouchy. And, um, like it, seeing, I see them when their phone gets taken away, everything changes and it's, it's unfortunate. And it's, it, it's, it's hard because at their age, they want to be socially connected and that's how they socially connect right now. And when you take that away and remove it, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, isolating a, a prisoner in, in, in self, uh, self containment there, whether you totally isolate them, taking a phone from a kid in a lot of ways is like completely isolating them. And you can tell how uncomfortable it makes them and how, how just it's, they're not okay with it. God, I think about how teenagers, it seems like, and I don't know any teenagers really, um, but so I'm pretty out of the loop with them, but it seems like they're socializing in real life a lot less and mm -hmm. quote unquote socializing more on the apps. Do you feel like teenagers are still like doing things in groups? Cause when I happen to see them every now and then, like at a restaurant or whatever, I usually see groups of teenagers and they're all on their own phones. They're not even talking, not every, not all the time, but I certainly have noticed that a lot where they're like together, but they're all in their, um, you know, in their own worlds on their phones. And I keep hearing about how teenagers are like together, but you know, I like, still just, like yeah, yeah. you know, on their phones. Do you, do you see that? Or are they still being social without phones? Um, it, it, it depends on the kids and the groups. It's definitely, again, something that's gotten worse in, and that's honestly, it seems like society in some ways you see people out to dinner. It's the same thing. And, you know, there was, there's been challenges I've seen online where people, uh, everybody puts their phone in the middle and first person to touch their phone has to pay for everybody's dinner. Oh, I like that. <laughs> if, 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 it, if you touch your phone before the check comes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely like 
you can see kids um, like hanging out and they're kind of all on their phone. It might be like, Hey, look at this. Or yeah. hey, did you see this online? They're just trying, they're comparing and, and sharing what they see online as their socialization a lot of times. Right. I mean, adults do that too. I see that all the time with adults too. What do you think parents can do to help sort of, I don't know, attack this beast that is social media? Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard because and I have, you know, a young child of my own who's, who's he's a kindergartner now. And, um, my wife and I, we, we adopted a high school senior when we were, this was six, six years ago. Um, and, and even thinking back to that now, the landscape is so different, but whenever, whenever we had adopted him, he was a high school senior. Um, he had kind of fallen with, with a, a crowd he, he didn't need to be if he wanted to graduate. And so we helped him out and he's, he's doing great now. He's, um, he's actually, I'm really proud of him. So he didn't have a phone. And I said, listen, I'll buy you a phone and you can pay for the monthly payment. Okay. Is it, and, but here's the deal. If your grades fall below a B, the second they fall below a B, I take the phone up. As soon as your grades go back to A's and B's, I give you the phone back. Even though you're paying for the monthly bill, is that a deal? He's like, yeah, it's a deal. Okay. So after about a month of school, um, his, one of his grades fell down to a C and I walked in his room. I said, Hey, uh, give me your phone. He's like, what do you mean? Like I told you if your grades fall below a B and his grades went back up to all A's and B's and didn't drop the rest of the year. And this was a kid who had failed at least one class every year of high school. And he made the honor roll. And that that's a tool for parents where like most kids and honestly, people are addicted to devices in some degree. So like if you set the bar for your kid and set the expectation and you can use the phone as that, like I have kids in my class now who their grades below already where their parents want it to be. The parents took their phone and you see their effort in class skyrocket. You between not having that distraction in their pocket, even though if it's, they're not on it, but between not having that distraction and having that incentive to get it back, that makes a huge difference. I think also having parents uh, be aware of ways that teenagers are teenagers and hide things online. Like there's, um, there's, there's calculator apps that are fake calculators, but you type in a code and it's, um, there are private photo collections in that app, but it looks like a calculator. You look on the, you look on the phone and you see that it's a calculator, but once they type in a code, now there's, uh, private photo collections that aren't in the regular photo. So even if parents are, they think they're being responsible and checking their, their uh, adolescents' phones, they might not be aware of things like that because they're always finding workarounds. So staying up to date and educated and literate in the sense of what the most recent way people are hiding stuff is. But I think honestly too, just being open with your kid and, and saying, Hey, this is kind of what I expect, but I'm probably going to look through your phone because you're 12 years old and the unfiltered access to the internet is, is not good for you. And we've never, we've never experienced this in all of human development. And I I need to be your parent and understand that it's because I care. And I don't want to see you struggle with different things that could happen because of that. Because I, I see, I see kids that think things are normal, like sexually, 
um, between like screen names or, or things that they talk about just in public, like with at the mall, in my classroom, the things that they talk about in, in a public setting, in a school setting, it's appalling, but it's because when you have unfiltered access to the internet, they're seeing a lot of sexually inappropriate images or even just inappropriate language all the time. And they think it's doable. And they think it's, um, they don't think it's wrong, if that makes sense. Right. Like they're just becoming desensitized to sex and violence and bullying if they just see it all the time. Exactly. Jeez, the parents have a lot of work for cut out for them. Yeah. I'm curious is like, does the school talk about the harmful effects, like either school that you've been at? Like, do they like in morning assemblies or anything? Is there a discussion about like consequences of social media that teenagers might not necessarily be thinking about? Like is like, hey, if you post a naked photo and your face is in that and it's on the Internet, like it's going to stay there for a while. So if you're going to post a naked photo, at least don't put your face in it. I mean, is there any sort of like actual logical thing? Because it's hard to expect that teenagers are just going to be perfect and not be rebellious and get into trouble. But is there a way to like reduce the long term damage through like conversations with the school. Like, I'm just wondering how, how much communication there is around it. There's typically a, an assembly at the beginning of the year. They, they, they do by grade level. So they'll have like a senior meeting and a junior meeting. And it's mentioned in that, but they, they, I mean, they mention a bunch of stuff. They talk for 30 minutes and teenagers are already rolling their eyes, walking into it. Um, but, it, and it's, it's just, it's, it might be a bullet point as in like, you know, be aware of this, but also bullet points of um, if you're bullying or harassing a kid, um, and this is this has gotten into um, legally kind of interesting situations. I, I don't know is the best way to put it. Used to it if schools thought or or did have jurisdiction where if like you were bullying a kid off campus, um, schools could discipline you for that. Mm. I believe that is no longer the case. If you are, mm. if two students go to the same school and student X bully student Y off campus, like outside of school hours, I don't think the school can do a whole lot about it anymore other than maybe call in and talk to parents or counseling. But as far as like discipline, don't think there's a lot they can do anymore. Um, that seems like a shame. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who is ultimately responsible in this sort of situation. Parents, teens, the apps, the school, you know, you'd like to think it's sort of a community effort to try and keep kids sane and healthy and safe and all that. But yeah, I don't know who's who's. Uh, really responsible a little bit of everything maybe i'm curious to know if you have advice for teenagers when it comes to social media use from a teacher perspective um, <laughs> you're like how do i even wrap my head around that one <laughs> yeah I, I would say honestly the less you could engage with it the better it's hard at your teenage years because your brain and your frontal lobe isn't fully developed and it's very easy to tie your self-worth into how many likes you get or how many comments you get. And you might have people and people even who aren't even teenagers anymore talk about this, where you might have a hundred comments, but you have that one person who's just intentionally trolling you just to like get a rise out of people. That one person says something negative or mean or personally attacks you. 
and you ignore the other 99 positive comments and you let that just dig at you and, and affect your mental health in a negative way. So I don't know, the, the, the less you engage with, with social media, typically I think the healthier you are mentally. Um, you, if you feel like you need it to stay involved and connected with your, your peers and your social group, that's understandable, but don't let it be something where you're, you're tying your self worth to your posts and your likes and, and your comments. And if people say something, it's hard, it's hard at your age to let it go. It's very, very hard to ignore something because it takes a lot of confidence and the way to build confidence is, is through experience and, and feeling that. And, no teenager feels confident like it no teenager truly deep down feels uh really confident and self like self-confident it's a hard skill to build there's a lot of adults who don't feel self-confident deep down totally so 2007 the first iphone came out uh those kids in 2007 if you were born in 2007 if you were you're 15 you're you're a high school freshman or sophomore uh the first ipad came out in 2010 so those kids are, are 12 now. So me having young children, so I'm a parent to young children, I see a lot of parents, you know, feed the tablet to the kids, feed the tablet because parenting's hard and life is hard and, and COVID was hard and all these things we're having. And a lot of times it's easier just to placate that child and then give them a tablet and a distraction. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I'm, I'm not perfect. My, my kid has a tablet, but I'm, interested scared of the effects of these kids who have been tablet fed and some of them a lot more than others as as i work with high schoolers so in two years i'll have that first generation where the ipad one came out and that it wasn't super popular then so you know in five years when those kids who grew up on ipads what's the addiction going to be like what's the the reliance going to be like um, the other thing that's interesting is I really thought, so I, I'm 33 years old. I, I'm a, I guess I'm a millennial born in 1988. So I, I came up, I remember when we got our first computer in 1995, I remember windows 95 and windows 98 and windows XP and all those operating systems. And, and I remember using them in, in classes growing up and I really thought, okay, well, that was all new to me and it was a lot, it was very clunky. So when I first transitioned into teaching, I really thought that teenagers were going to be like, you know, great tech skills. Um, it's not. And I've realized it's because technology and apps are designed where like the easier it is to use, the more engaged someone's going to be, the more likely they are to come back to it, the more. So apps are designed to, to make, using things easier. Well, the effect of that has been a lot, a lot of adolescents and teenagers and young adults have very, very poor computer literacy skills. Like I'm talking copy paste. I'm talking basic Google searches. Like they, they struggle with like how to search and look things up. So I don't know that that's just a kind of another interesting thing that has, has happened um, I know it's not exactly related to social media, but the rise of technology and, and social media and apps making things easier has in turn made a lot of skills worse that are still necessary. Right. It's almost like dumbing down the population. 
in a way. Yeah, in, in a way, yeah, we're, we're, they're they're not able to do skills that I thought they'd be really good at because I thought they'd be great with technology having right. grown up with it, but they don't know because it's just always just been spoon fed to them. Right. I know when you grow up with social media, you don't know anything different. So it's right. just it's always every time I have a conversation about this, I'm always projecting how I would have been. But that's because I think about me now and, you know, these kids are just growing up with it. So that's totally their norm. This seems like a really hard addiction for um, people to sort of manage. Yeah. I mean, because I think because adults aren't managing it. Right. And that's, so, oh, that's that's one thing. You asked me about advice and I should have said this. Um, that is one of the good parts of, of technology that it makes things a lot easier. You can set screen limit timers where. On, on almost on any smartphone or smart device, you can set it where it'll, it'll lock you out after a certain amount of screen time, uh, whether parents find that information useful or teenagers. Like if, if you want to be successful and try and manage social media and technology to where it doesn't become a full blown addiction, where you're removed from the people around you and in, in a sense, like society, um, because you're, you're so zoned in on your phone. And, and I've had to do this myself. Sometimes I, I catch myself with this you set limits, screen time limits, um, where it's only X amount of hours per week. My actually, um, for, for grad school, I did a research project and it got disrupted by COVID, but my research, the, the, the idea was that, uh, if you looked at how much screen time, uh, students had per week and then looked at their test grades that there should be a, a correlation there, a negative correlation, the more screen time, the lower the, the test grades. And as I was collecting data, I, I was appalled at how many hours of screen time some kids had per week. Um, I, I'm talking like uh, I had some 80, 90, hundred hour week screen times. Yeah. Where I mean, easily 12 to 14 hours a day. And it's, I mean, cause at first when I saw say it was like 11 hours and 43 minutes, and I was like, Oh, that's not bad. And then that was 11 hours and 43 minutes per day. Yeah. That was a daily average. That, that blows my mind. I, I, I thought it would be like four five, six hours max. And then I started talking to more teens and they were telling me, you know, what they're spending. And it'd be like seven hours just on one app. And then they'd go to the other app and then you add that all up. And it was 14, 15 hours a day, which means they're only taking a break when they're sleeping. They're not even eating or going to the, you know, I think they're probably going to the bathroom and eating and doing everything with their phone. It's crazy to me. So or they'll fall asleep on, they'll, they'll, they'll go to sleep on FaceTime with their friends or different like uh, mm -hmm. FaceTime type party apps yeah. and it's like you're not getting good sleep first of all and like no. why? they're so afraid of missing out from that connection and it's it, it, I don't know it's, it's, it's hard I'm, I, it's there's a lot of problems and not a lot of great solutions because again you're competing with billions and billions of dollars that are right. competing against each other for your attention Totally. Totally. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I had such a good conversation with you. Thank you. Bye. Have Bye. a good day. You too. Thank you guys so much for watching this episode. As always, I encourage you to check out the Organization for Social Media Safety website. You can find it in the show notes or in the description of this video if you're watching on YouTube. Um, check it out. Take the amazing super course. It's designed for parents who are parents of teenagers and it's really thorough. It goes over everything that a parent might need to keep their kids safe online. Um, you can find it's just a wealth of knowledge. So definitely check it out.